Welcome to the REI Mastermind Network, where host Jack Haas gathers amazing stories from leaders in real estate investing. In each episode, our guests will tell you what they're doing that works, what they've tried that failed, and best of all, you'll learn actionable steps to take your real estate investing to the next level. Now, here's Jack with another value-packed episode. We have Jeff Badu on the call. Jeff, I really appreciate your time. And uh, before we kick things off, head over to jeffbadu.com for some more de- details and, and some links to all of his socials, because I know you're pretty active on some of those social networks as well. But uh, Jeff, I really appreciate your time. We're going to be touching on quite a few things here today. So uh, hold on, get out your pen and paper, because I think Jeff is going to provide some insight on a couple things. But I uh, really appreciate your time, Jeff. Yeah, no problem, Jack. And do you go by Jack or JD? Either one. It's interchangeable. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, yeah, I mean, definitely appreciate you for having me today. Definitely appreciate it. So, Jeff, let's let's start. You it sounds like you have quite the background story. In fact, uh, when they, you know, I, I get a lot of people who ask to be on the show. You know, a lot of a lot of assistants reaching out, and uh, when they they say his journey on going from a gang member to a multimillionaire, that typically grabs people's attention. So there, there's got to be a story involved there. Let's let's start there. Yeah, so basically, I mean, I was born and raised in Ghana, um, which is, you know, on the west side of Africa. And ultimately, you know, I basically came to the United States when I was eight years old. And so between that time from being born all the way until eight, it was pretty good. I got exposed to entrepreneurship pretty early. The thing about the Ghanaian culture, it's very entrepreneurial. So there's a lot of people that you might see them, you know, basically selling um, candy, clothes, shoes, whatever it is out on the streets and efforts in exchange to make money and feed their families. And so I got exposed to entrepreneurship very early and watching that, I was the type where if you gave me a piece of candy, um, I would, you know, I would first say thank you. And then I'll go out and sell it on the streets instead of eating it because that entrepreneurship, I got exposed to that early. So um, basically, I migrated to the U.S. when I was eight years old, and I moved here with my older sister. My parents were already here. They had already migrated um, pretty early on. And yeah, basically, we were in a neighborhood called Uptown, which is a, not, let's just say it's not the best neighborhood that you would want to put a child, anybody for that matter. And so I don't think my parents were too aware of all the negativity that was going on in Uptown. Uptown was surrounded by a lot of violence, just a lot of, um, you know, just unnecessary drama, basically. And unfortunately, some of the friends that I surrounded myself with were involved in some of those things. And they say, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And so for me, you know, I, it, it was very, very tough being around friends, being around, you know, just, just people that weren't like-minded, like people that weren't necessarily on the right path because they were probably lost themselves. And thankfully, I was able to turn things around. I took a trip back to Ghana. And I, you know, basically, that's when I discovered my purpose in life, which is to inspire and support the super hungry to take hold of infinite resources in order to create an abundant lifestyle. The reason how I got to that purpose was 
I came back to Ghana, took a short trip with my family, and I got to see struggle firsthand, and I also understood the struggle. I saw a lady, for example, who was carrying a huge load of apples, oranges, bread, whatever it took, you know, to make ends meet, to feed her family. And she had not one, but two babies wrapped around her back while doing that, while selling those things. And I said, you know what? I'm meant to help this person. This is a super hungry individual, someone who's internally motivated. I want to help people just like her. And I want to allow her to take hold of infinite resources that we have on this planet so that she doesn't necessarily have to sell things on the streets while carrying two babies wrapped around her back. So moving from the scarcity into the abundance zone. And that's when I things turned around in a big way. And I basically started going to church more often, started getting deeper into my spiritual and religious life. Um, I started um, leading the youth in my church, you know, and we also had a mentor, someone who had gone through something similar that I went through and was able to do some scenario-based training for me. So she would say, hey, you know, when you go into this area, to this neighborhood, this is what you do. Or if XYZ says, do this, this is what you say. Or if this is what happens, right, this is how you can turn things around. So she was coaching and training me a lot, right? She was doing that for um, quite a few years. And basically, you know, when we migrated or when we moved um, back to Chicago from the trip, it was very, very life-changing. My grades got better. I surrounded myself with new friends. Things just turned around in a big way. And that's what ultimately led into me becoming an accountant. You know, I went to um, school at the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign, where I got my bachelor's degree, master's degree, went on to work for PricewaterhouseCoopers, where I interned there when I was in college. And then afterwards, I worked for them full-time one year. And then I went on to start my own company, Badu Tax Services, which I'm sure we'll be talking more about today. Yeah. So, you know, that you have got to, got to admit, we have to unpack a, a few of the things there. You just said infinite resources an abundant lifestyle, you know, mm-hmm. in those situations, can you give me an example of, of how that mindset change has occurred in, in somebody you've mentored? Yeah. I mean, in general, I would say, um, you know, I have, for example, I have a friend who each time, like, he, he didn't necessarily have the right mindset, meaning that every time you would say, like, hey, let's go out and start something. Let's go out and start a business. Let's go out and do a venture. They're like, oh, no, I got to go to work. You know, they would just make excuses, basically. Um, but allowing him to tap into his vision, I asked him one day, well, what do you want in life? Like, what are three things that you really want to achieve in life? He said, well, I want to be rich one day, right? I want to own real estate. I want to be able to start a family and provide for them. And I told him, well, in order to do those things, you need, first of all, you need to have your mind right and taking advantage of opportunities when they come. So that's part of the abundance mindset is when you see an opportunity, you know, you take, you, you basically take hold of it and you go ahead and execute on that opportunity. So I said, well, you know, these things are going to require you to ultimately open your mind a little bit, right? If you want to become wealthy, you want to, you know, be able to provide for your family on real estate. These are things that require you to open your mind a bit. And he sat down, he thought about it. He was like, yeah, I mean, this, that's probably true. I probably need, do need to open my mind in order to do these things. And so overall, what happened was now he 
he actually ended up buying a three-unit building with me. So we actually went into partnership together where we acquired a three-unit building. That was actually my second property that I bought. Um, and you know, now he wants to start his own business. He, he's still in the process of doing that. And I can tell his language has changed a lot. Like he's more open-minded. At first, he'll like ask you a million questions and like try to shut the idea down. But now he's like, oh yeah, sign me up. Oh yeah, let me do it. Oh yeah, you know, just just, mm-hmm. just let's do it, right? Just, just that let's do it mindset, of course, doing the right thing because now there's more trust. And I think in general, his mindset has just expanded because now he knows what he needs to do to achieve those things essentially. Yeah, you know, I, I think that's really interesting. I think there's a lot, there's a big swath of our society we we see these opportunities they come and go and we we might even may not even pay attention to them because we think they're unachievable instead of taking a minute and saying how can i do this exactly exactly and i would say for me uh, reading the book rich dad poor dad was what helped me change my mindset in order to help others change their mind you know i used to be the guy that would say oh yeah it's too expensive i can't afford it Oh, I would never see myself owning, you know, a 25 unit building. It's way too pricey. Right. But now I'm like, okay, well, this is how much it costs, but here's what's more important. Here's how much it's worth. And here's what I need to do in order to be able to afford it. Because if I don't buy it, right, I don't achieve my goals and I'm not a happy person. Mm -hmm. I'm going to look down upon myself if I don't do it. So I had better found a way to afford that thing. You know, I think that's one of those things, too, that I find really interesting, you know, and it could be just human psychology. Mm -hmm. We will do everything we can. Let me back up a minute. I've, I've run into some people who will when the new iPhone comes out, they're the first ones to get it. They they find a way to pay for it. They find a way to get that gadget. But it's those same people that will balk at starting a business or or buying a rental property because they don't have the money for it. That's true. That's true. I mean, it, and it's sad. I mean, it, life is all about priorities. Life, life is all about the things that you truly value and you truly believe in. So I know some people who I would send a video about how to invest in real estate. They'll find every excuse in the world to not watch the video. Instead, they'll watch a soap opera, you know, they'll watch, um, you know, The Bachelor, Bachelorette, all these different shows. But that video you sent them, you asked them about it, like, oh, I didn't have time right, to watch it. And I'm like, well, you had time to do these other things. So that means that clearly it just wasn't important to you. That, you know, that's what, that's what it all just came down to. Right. So, you know, another thing that I find really interesting is that you talked about setting up this yet another business with your friend to buy this three unit building, mm-hmm. but you got, you have a lot of businesses going on, don't you? I mean, you, you mm-hmm. touched on your tax services, but you mm-hmm. got investment companies and I think others, other things going on. How do you, how do you manage starting all these businesses and, and frankly scaling? I mean, the, it, it, you got to be being pulled in a million directions. Yeah. Great question. So just to give you a little bit of background, a short version, um, there's Badu Enterprise LLC, which is the multinational conglomerate that serves as the parent or holding company 
to the 12 other companies within the body, you know, within the enterprise. 12. So with that, exactly. So the, the, the magic <laughs> number is 12 within the enterprise. Uh, we have the CPA firm, the tax firm, Body Tax Services. That was founded in 2016 when on my way to a barbecue, you know, barbecue, um, Labor Day um, 2016, I got fed up because I got a call from my employer saying, hey, we want you to come into work. And I'm like, wait a second. I'm on my way to a barbecue, about to have fun with the family. And I was one of the hosts. So it was just for me, it was not the way to be living. You know, I wanted to be free. I had already had a, a client base. So I was already doing taxes for people since 2010. So I took all that experience, all that knowledge. And I said, you know what, let me turn to my two-week notice today. I have met my one-year requirement to work and be, get my CPA license in the state of Illinois. So I was like, you know what? I have nothing to lose at this point. I don't have a wife. I don't have kids. I don't have anything to lose. Let me just go ahead and turn to my two-week notice. And then Badu Tax Services was born at that point. You know, fast forward to today, we're now at over 2,000 clients with um, approximately 20 team members across, across the world, basically. Um, and, you know, we offer tax preparation, planning and representation services to individuals and businesses. And most of our clients tend to be small businesses, specifically real estate investors or real estate agents. So we have the tax firm. Then we have the investment company, um, Badu Investments, LLC. And that's where that was founded in 2017 when I bought my first property. It was a big struggle. I almost filed for bankruptcy, right? Um, trying to flip properties, which I had no business um, getting involved with, but it taught me a lot of different things. And so Badu Investments now is we acquire rental properties, 20 plus units, mainly on the south side of Chicago in efforts to restore traditionally underserved communities. And right now we have 125 units um, that we control essentially. You know, then we have other companies. We have our life insurance agency, Body Life and Health Solutions LLC. We have our foundation, my beloved foundation. That's the Badu Foundation. And that's where we teach kids about financial literacy, you know, topics such as budgeting, saving, investing, and scholarships. We teach kids from ages six to 18. And we put them through, you know, classes. We put them through scenario-based training so that they can enhance their financial literacy skills. So you're right, it is quite a lot. But the thing is, in our tax firm, we have about 20 people. And the entire enterprise, we have about 100 people. So each person is tasked to do something, right? In our tax firm, we have our chief operating officer, who's mainly running the operations. We also have project managers. We have tax preparers. We have sales folks. We call them deal makers. Um, you know, and then in our real estate company, we have our property management team who I oversee and get reports basically every week. So it is a lot, but honestly, it, it's a very, very fun thing to do. For me, I use the 888 rule and that I work and I grind eight hours a day, meaning that, I mean, I'm going like hard, right? I'm, 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 I'm in meetings with clients, I'm doing a podcast or I'm, I'm doing something that's productive. And then the other eight hours of sleep, I still get eight hours of sleep to this day, you know, sometimes seven, right? Sometimes nine, but I would say on average about eight. And then the other eight hours, we call this the make it happen eight hours, whether you learn and develop. So for me, I spent about three hours either reading a book, listening to an audio book, or doing something that's going to help me advance to the next level. 
And then the other hours is fun, right? Watching movies. I'm a big Netflix guy. I love watching movies every weekend. I'm always on Netflix watching a movie or so. And that allows me to unwind my mind a bit. Um, I have a beautiful wife. Her name is Yvonne. She's actually the CEO of our life insurance company. And we spend a lot of great quality time together, you know? So overall, you do have to find the right balance. But I would say when I got started, I was probably working about 14 hours a day, right? Because I was the only guy and I had to build the empire. Now I have people who want to join forces and be a part of what we do that are free of my time, but in exchange, they get paid and they're also able to fulfill their dreams and their goals in their life too. So just to remind everybody, head over to jeffbadu.com. I'll make sure to have that link in the show notes with a few others. But uh, if you need to want to connect with Jeff, it sounds like uh, if you need anything regarding business, including from taxes to insurance, uh, Jeff probably has you covered in some way. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so let's let's talk a little bit about uh, your real estate investing slash tax preparation. What are some of those things that you've learned over the years that uh, some people may be missing or not taking advantage of when it comes to the taxes and real estate? Yeah, great question. I mean, the American dream, and this is what I learned from Robert Kiyosaki. He said the American dream is basically to own a business and to own real estate. And I couldn't agree even more. And the biggest thing that people miss is the amount of tax advantages or benefits within the tax code for business owners and or real estate investors. When you mix the two together, you basically live a tax-free lifestyle. For example, as a business owner, you can pretty much deduct everything, you know, uh, whether it be AirPods that you're using to listen to Zoom meetings, your cell phone that you're using to take client calls, the car that you're using to meet with clients, have dinner, you know, the trips that you're taking with your spouse, maybe you're discussing business, maybe new business ventures that are coming up. All those become tax loopholes and tax deductions. So as a W-2 employee, you can't get anything, basically. Uh, you can't, as a W-2 employee, you can't write off things like travel, home office, you know, utilities, none of that stuff. But as someone who is a 1099 independent contractor or a business owner, someone who started a business from scratch or maybe joined forces with someone, you're getting all those write-offs. So that someone who's earning $150,000 as a W-2 employee is paying taxes on the full 150 versus someone who's a business owner who may be making 150, but they also have 50,000 in expenses, write-offs, loopholes, you know, things that a W-2 employee may not be able to write off. So that the, the same two people, right, may be doing the same thing. One is earning 150 taxable, another is earning 100,000 taxable, right? That's a big difference. That's a massive difference. And then you throw the real estate piece in. One thing that I didn't know when I got started was that with real estate, there's a thing known as depreciation. Depreciation is basically when you take the purchase price of the building minus the land, which is typically 10 to 20%. Right. But for the sake of simplicity, let's just say you take the purchase price, you divide it by 27.5 years, and that becomes your depreciation deduction. You can use that depreciation if you have a loss from your real estate. Let's say you made 10,000 in rental income and you had, let's say, 9,000 in expenses, but you had depreciation of 5,000. Well, now you have $4,000 that's left over that can be used to offset other sources of income, maybe your W 2 or your business. One thing I learned, though, was as a real estate professional, 
meaning someone who's actively involved in real estate, whether you be a real estate agent, a property manager, real estate educator, a um, real estate contractor, real estate appraiser, whatever it is real estate related, you can deem those hours as real estate professional status. And what you can do is you can now accelerate the depreciation on your building, right? Accelerate it using a strategy called cost segregation. So that instead of dividing the building's purchase price by 27.5, you can now get up to 25% of the building's purchase price as a deduction, right, to cost segregation in the first year. We call it component depreciation. So that let's say you bought a building for 400,000 and you divided it by 27.5. I mean, let, let's just do the math really quick, right? 400,000 divided by 27.5, that's about 14,500, let's just say 14,500. However, if you're able to do that cost segregation instead of 14.5 the first year, now you get a $100,000 tax deduction. And let's say you made 100,000 net profit in your real estate agency. Well, now 100,000 minus 100,000 equals zero. And when I learned that, I said, you know what? I've got to teach other people the same and I've got to buy me some real estate too. So basically, one thing that I learned in the tax code is that you can use your, your real estate as long as you're buying maybe every year, you can use the depreciation to pretty much wipe out all of your taxable income on any other business sources or any other investments that you may have. It's a huge, huge benefit that I didn't know when I got started. Well, this is a great example. And, you know, the government in their tax code, I mean, they, they essentially promote certain activity. Uh, what better way to make sure that, uh, or promote the, the concept of real estate investing? Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, when I, when I found that out, I'm like, why in the world would someone buy real estate? Like if they knew that, if they knew exactly what I just explained about five minutes or so, they would be aggressively buying real estate. And this is what I try to teach my clients. This is what I do webinars on. This is what I try to educate people on. But sometimes they don't listen. They say, man, this sounds too, too good to be true. You know, and I'm like, well, hey, take it or leave it. I'm only here to educate. The right people will take advantage of the resource. And the people that don't want to, hey, at least I tried. Right. So, you know, it's, it's obvious, too, that you need to find somebody that is well-versed in the strategies that you're talking about. In doing so, what type of questions should somebody ask when selecting a CPA to, to ensure they have this specialization? Great question. I mean, I would ask them, hey, what's your tax strategy, right? What are some of the things that you're doing, you're, the loopholes you're taking advantage of? Because one thing I found out is there, is there are a lot of bad actors out there where someone might be preaching something, but they're not actually practicing it, right? They're not actually taking their own advice. So in that, if I'm telling someone to be aggressively buying real estate, where am I buying? Am I buying real estate myself? So for me, I'm always about practice what you preach. So that would be one of the first questions I would ask them. And then in general, you know, you can ask them like, hey, do you have experience working with, for example, real estate investors? Um, how long have you been doing this? Or, you know, can you basically give me an example of how you save a client some money in taxes? Because the thing is, there's tax preparers and there's tax advisors. There's a big difference between the two. Some advisors are preparers, but not all preparers are advisors. And that you can walk into somebody's office, they'll do your taxes for you. 
but they won't have a clue when it comes to tax strategy. And to me, that's like, that's a bad, that's a bad service. And so when we founded Badu Tax Services in 2016, that's one thing we wanted to specialize in. And that given clients strategies, given clients loopholes, given clients education that they need in order to move things forward in their business or venture. So overall, I would say the first question you should ask them is what's your, what's your strategy, right? Hopefully they're willing to share. And if they're not, it's like, okay, well, is there something that they're maybe holding back from you? So I would ask them that. And then, you know, some general questions. How long have you been doing this? What type of clients do you work with? Have you worked with real estate investors in the past? And it maybe get an example of a strategy that they've helped the client with. Sure. So uh, one last reminder, head over to jeffbadu.com for some more details and to connect with Jeff and his team. Um, so let's, let's give, before we let you go, let's, let's give a, a few people a couple examples of mm-hmm. some things that they should be taking advantage of right away if they haven't thought about it before. You already brought up this cost segregation or the or or what have you for the depreciation, accelerated depreciation. Is there anything yeah. else like low-hanging fruit that you can think of that they they better be taking advantage of? And what would they need to do to mm-hmm. empower their CPA to make sure that they can take advantage of it? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I love the tax code, right? The, the tax code, first of all, was created for you, not against you, right? The tax code was created for you, not against you as a business owner and or real estate investor. And that anything that you're investing money into to grow your business can be seen as a tax deduction. So for example, the suit jacket that I'm wearing right now, I wear the suit jacket only when I'm in Zoom meetings, you know, when I'm meeting with clients or when, I, when I'm at, you know, having dinner with prospects, whatever it is, so that deems a suit jacket as a tax deduction. Books, right? Anytime I read a book that's going to help me get educated, that's going to be a tax deduction. AirPods that I'm using to listen to Zoom meetings, that's a tax deduction. So the thing is, you just have to make sure you justify why you wrote that thing off. And as long as you have a legitimate reason, like, hey, this is how it helped my business, just think about it. Like, how did XYZ write-off help your business? If you can answer that question, then you're pretty good. And another big one that I think people commonly miss is um, travel. So as someone who has an LLC or like a corporation, you're allowed to have board meetings throughout the year because every company needs a board of directors. And so you can declare the meeting, your trip, as a board meeting, right? You can go to the Bahamas, you can go to Jamaica, you can go to Vegas, you can go wherever you want, and you can claim that trip as a board meeting just by, you know, basically having a board meeting minute, right? Board meeting minutes, nothing more than something on your company's letterhead, documenting where the meeting took place, the time it took place, when, you know, basically when, where, and who attended a few business items you discussed during the meeting, and then you sign and date the meeting minutes by adjourning the meeting essentially. And now that entire trip becomes fully tax deductible. And you can typically do this four times a year, right? So some people are like, oh yeah, I just went on vacation to the Bahamas. I'm like, well, did you leverage that into a tax deduction? That you spent maybe a thousand, two thousand dollars, and you might have brought the whole family where you can put them on your board meeting minutes too. So there's so many things that you can deduct in the tax code 
And some people are like, man, this sounds too good to be true. Well, if you really, really read the tax code, you know that there's specific rules that are created that allow you to deduct those things. And I would say, how can you like convince your accountant? Well, for one, that's when you ask them the question, what strategies are you using in your tax plan? Mm-hmm. You know, um, and hey, I, you, you can do scenario based. You can say, I had a meal with my spouse and we talked about how we're going to get this customer. Is this a tax deduction? Yes or no. Right. You can do scenario based things like that. Um, so, I mean, it's hard. Like if, if the person doesn't want to deduct it for you, you're probably for one, you're probably not with the right accountant. And then two, you might want to find somebody else who's down with that strategy. So long story short, not all accounts are created equal. And I would say those who really are in it to help you are going to be the right ones for you. And at the end of the day, you want to make sure that you find someone that knows what they're doing, is basically able to go above and beyond and take advantage of all the quote unquote gray areas that's out there to help you save some money on taxes. Yeah, you bet. So this has been a great conversation, Jeff. I really appreciate your time here today. Um, Before I let you go, is there a question you wished I would have asked you here today? Um, Not quite. I mean, not quite. I would say definitely appreciate you for having me today, JD. You know, it's it's always a a pleasure and an honor to be able to speak to a group of like-minded people, like-minded individuals. Um, You know, so I definitely appreciate you for having me. I hope everybody was able to gain some value from the information you just provided. And I hope you also check out the resource, the jeffbaidu.com website, which has a lot of free, free education on there. It also has my books, it has my course. It has a lot of things on there to help you move your business forward and to help you create that abundant lifestyle that you truly deserve, right? You probably desire and quite frankly, you truly deserve as well. So thank you. Well, thank you. That's a great way to end this episode. I really appreciate your time and I hope you'll come back again sometime. Yeah, for sure. Appreciate it, JD. Have you learned at least one actionable step to incorporate into your real estate investing? If so, please consider returning some of that value by leaving a positive review, subscribing to our YouTube channel, or joining our growing network on Facebook and Twitter. You can find links to all of our social media accounts in the show notes. See you next time.